In today's show, we look at trades, buy lows, sell highs, players who are over and underperforming. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's look at trades. You know the drill. Buy lows. See if you can get them for a cheap price. If not, don't worry about trading for them. Sell highs. See if you can get off them at the peak of their value. You don't have to trade that player away. You don't have to drop that player. That's not how it works. We just try and extract value in deals, understanding that a lot of the time it doesn't happen and it's not possible. And pushing for things to make it happen, just to say that you traded that player because he was a buy low, means you probably don't get the value you need out of it. So, be really careful with what you're doing. Really look into it. See how it makes sense on your team and make sure you're getting the value and always, always be ready to walk away. And in saying all of that, morning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Let's look back to this show two weeks ago and how we did and pretty good, pretty good week to, to be fair. Now, the first one, it was cheating a little bit. Paul George was ranked 410th when we did the show two weeks ago. He had just returned from injury. Um, he'd had that hamstring injury. He'd had that weird game where he got hurt and then he came back and played like 10 minutes against the Nuggets and his numbers were way down. But yeah, if we go back and rewind to that show, I'm 100% sure, 99% sure that I said, hey, it's not about these numbers. We know they're improved, but people hate Paul George. People, There's a negative narrative around Paul George and people wouldn't have expected that he's actually been as good as he has been. And while he is hurt and people think that he's going to sit every game moving forward, go and get him. Well, since he's been back, he's the 20th best player. So... That is a pretty big win, I think. And I don't think that if you traded for Paul George back then, you would have had to give up a second round player. I don't think you would have. Maybe a third or a fourth round guy. And I think he sits comfortably in the second round. Yes, there are going to be injury concerns. Something always seems to happen, but maybe there's not. Now, in saying all of this, go back to the video I released earlier today, the um, fantasy playoff schedule situation, and see. Is the Clippers schedule going to make sense for your playoffs? Probably not. So maybe now, if you got him at a cheaper price, now you can look to sell off at a higher price. That's the whole point of all this stuff. Andy Wiggins was 211th. I said, well, I'm not as high on Wiggins from what he did to the start from the start of the season. I don't think he's going to be this bad. Well, he wasn't that bad, but he's still bad. 172nd, illnesses all over the shop. He's still better than this. So there's still a little bit of a buy low there. So while it's a win, it's a marginal win. But I do think there's going to be more value here coming from Wigo. Bogdan Bogdanovich was 187th. Since then, he's 74th. That's a pretty big W. I think a lot of that is fueled by some absences from Hunter and then absences last game from Trey Young. I don't think that Bogdanovich is more than like your 11th, 12th, or 13th best player um, versus uh, the, uh, your 6th best player, which is what a rank of 74 would suggest. So that's a little bit on the overside. DeAndre Ayton still got plenty of room to improve. He was 126th. He's jumped up to 89th. I think he can get better than that still. So it is a W, but more room to improve. And the Kyrie, everyone... 
people forget that when Durant first went out, Kyrie wasn't really stepping up. Like, he was playing okay, but it wasn't like a gigantic boost to his numbers. He was 77th. And I said, look, you know, we, we go in on, on this because people are frustrated. He hasn't taken the steps forward. And since then, he's fourth. Now, I don't think he's going to remain fourth, but first round value is possible for Kyrie or, or likely. That's where I would have drafted him around that 12 to 14 range in fantasy drafts. I think he can be there. So it's a huge W to go from 77 to four. But, you know, four is probably a little bit on the high side. On the other side of things, on the sell highs, I had Jordan Poole there. Steph had returned, and I said, look, what Poole is doing now with Steph back gives you this extra ammunition to say, look, he can still do it with Steph there. He's gone down to 73, and I think 73 to 95 is sort of an okay range for him rest of the season, so hopefully you cashed in there. This one was one of the most obvious ones in the world. But you know what? I still got people arguing with me about it. He was 27th Harrison Barnes. And since then, he's 164th because he was never going to shoot at those numbers. And this is, again, if he's one thing you ever take out of any buy low, sell high show that I do is that when someone is shooting unsustainable numbers, they will not continue to do it. It just won't happen. When someone's hitting 50% of threes for a four-week period, they will not do it. It will absolutely 100% drop off. And you always, that is your number one thing. If someone's performing well, go and look at the shooting numbers, especially the shooting numbers like three-point percentage, which isn't a standard fantasy category. So a lot of sites don't even display it. You just see ranking or fantasy points and go, wow, look at those numbers. Right, but digging into why is really important. So Barnes went from 27th to 164th. Yeah. Malcolm Brogdon went from 43rd to 69th. He, oh, that's, that's, that's actually pretty good. Giggity. He was shooting an unbelievable three-point percentage. I still think that, you know, it seems like he's won the battle when they're healthy over Derek White, but who knows? That's not a big drop-off, but it's, it's still there. Westbrook, well, this was easy as well. 29th from Westbrook. He's 209th since. I don't think it's going to get much better. Like, it probably will get better than 209th. But let's be honest, the all the narrative of Russell Westbrook winning sixth man of the year is ridiculous. Like he's not, hasn't been playing that well. And his fantasy value, I, I, I think in category leagues, he might become droppable if he's not already. And Markel Fultz was 45th. And while I do like Fultz, a lot of that was silly. It wasn't going to stick. And since then, he's 131st, which has probably swung too far. And on the back end, where I think he can improve from that. So I'd say overall, the week 14 buy low, sell high show was a relatively big size W. Today's episode, speaking of Ws, is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting some sports fun and easy. So download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Let's have a look. What does FanDuel have listed here as interesting um, player props? All right. Well, here we go. Plus 4,000. Any offensive lineman to score one plus receiving TD. That doesn't seem likely, but you never know. You never know. Or at this one, both Chris Jones and Hassan Reddick to record two plus sacks each, plus 4,000. That feels like it's got better odds than an offensive lineman scoring a touchdown. Who knows? Any player to pass for over six and a half touchdowns to break the Super Bowl record, plus 6,000. Seems crazy as well. But all of that is available 
over on FanDuel. The app is safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go to the bylaws. Let's start with, with, our, with our favorite team. Let's talk Paulo Bunkero because it's been a roller coaster for Bunkero. Started out unbelievably well. Like we were drafting him probably 70s and 80s and he blew us away there. He's not a top 100 category league player this season. He's 107th because of some of the deficiencies we thought he would have in percentages and lack of defensive stats. But it's gotten worse. Over the last two weeks, he's 158th in category leagues, 86th in points leagues. He's averaging almost six fantasy points fewer per game, 29.8 versus 35.4. So what is actually happening? Well, he he can't, as always, you want to know what the subtitle for every, every one of these shows? He can't hit shots or he's hitting too many shots. That's how a lot of this works, right? And it flies under the radar. He's hitting 43.8% of his twos. It's a very low number. Killian Hayes would be look at that and go, man, that's low. He is at 48 for the season, which is still not a great number. And there is going to be stretches, I think, where he can do 50, but that's a big drop. He's also, for a guy that came in averaging like a ton of assists, they've gone. Like with Fultz back, he doesn't get those assists anymore. He's still at 3.7 for the season. That was because he was going at like 4.2, 4.3 to begin the year. But he's at 2.7 over the last seven games. So I do think there is some improvement to get back to 3, 3.2, 3.3, which is important. But a lot of that has cooled off. He's also weirdly not getting rebounds. And that one, I'm not that worried about. I'm pretty sure that'll come back. He's at 6.4 for the season. He's averaging 5.1 over the last seven games. He is playing two fewer minutes per game over the last seven games as well. But it's re- the realistic problem here is the shooting. Like 39.6% from the field is not like, that's his overall number. Like that's not going to cut it, right? Um, that's just not good enough. But it's going to improve. Like he can, he's at 43 for the year. Like he can have a stretch of 45, 46 really easily. And that's going to bring him back to value. Now, when trading for him in a category league, remember, like you're not trading for a top 50 player. This is a guy that probably tops out top 80, will have some top 60 stretches. You can, I would guess you can get him at a relatively cheap price. The problem is, is as a 20 point per game scorer, those guys do tend to get overvalued. But the good thing that works in your favor is that over the last seven games, he's not a 20-point-per-game scorer. He's at 18, and then the other deficiencies really start to add up for that manager who's banking on 20 points per game. So I would be happy giving up anyone who's around the 100 mark. I know he's 107th for the season, Bunkera, but I do think there's going to be a nice little top 80 run coming for him here at some point, and that will give you a nice return on investment. And I think he can push himself back inside the top 100 for the season. So just give up something back end to try and get him in a deal. We'll go to San Antonio now. Did you guess that was the player I was going to do? It's Trey Jones. Because Trey Jones has been a nice little surprise that we drafted around the 100, 120 mark in that area. And he's 93rd for the season. But the last two weeks for a lot of things in San Antonio have been bad. He's 195th in category leagues, 131st in points leagues. He's averaging just 25 fantasy points versus 30 fantasy points for the season. So 25 fantasy points in general in a Yahoo system is a fringe waiver wire stream guy. And if someone's a consistent 25 point per game guy, you don't want to hold that guy. You just roll through that spot. But as a 30 point per game guy, you do. So what we want to look at here overall is like what is happening to Trey at the moment? Is that real? 
Is that what is going to happen every game? Or is there scope to improve? And I think if you're watching on the video, you can see the numbers and go, well, yes, there's going to be improvement. It's pretty clear. It is frustrating, right? But when we look at this and go, man, he's getting killed with minutes. Yeah, okay. He's playing 1.4 fewer minutes over the last two weeks than he is for the season. So it's not that bad. It's frustrating. We want him 32 minutes considering they have literally no other point guard. So it would be great if he could play all those point guard minutes. But the problem is, is in the minutes he's getting, he's bad. 41% from two. Like, again, that's dreadful. That's so bad. Now, he's not at a great number for the year, 48.7. But man, Jesus. The last three months of games, he's at 50% from the field. And the last two weeks have just fallen completely off a cliff. And then you back that in with the fact that he's not a good three-point shooter, but he's shooting 11% on threes. He's at 27% for the season. He can be maybe a 29% three-point shooter, maybe. But he hasn't, like, he hasn't hit a single three in the last four games. He's hit three threes or two two threes in the last seven games. That that has a huge impact. Three-point percentage down, drops your field goal percentage down, drops your points down, drops your three-pointers down. And when you're going at 11%, 11.8%, sorry, 12%, right, that's terrible. And it drops everything down. And when one of the big strengths you had was being a very good free throw shooter at 89%, really good, even though it's low attempts, it puts you at a solid positive. And then you come out for the seven games and shoot under 82%. Well, that makes you bang on neutral. 81 is about average in a fantasy league, a 12-team fantasy league, 81 from the line, 82. Yeah, about 81 is about average. I think think it's actually 80.7, right? It's about average. So when you are coming through as one of your big pot, and you only had three positive categories this season, assists, steals, and free throw percentage. And then if one of them gets wiped out and then your negatives become gigantic negatives, well, your value drops by 100 spots. And it's not hard to get Trey Jones back here. Get your field goals back to 43%. Get your free throws back to 87%. Hit your threes back from 0.3 a game to 0.8 a game. Double them. They're not big volume, but they just add that extra. It's all just little bits and pieces. You, if Trey Jones gets dropped, I would add him. You can get him for nothing, I would suggest. Like, you don't have to give up much at all to get him. I wouldn't have thought. Maybe I'm wrong. And now we stay in San Antonio because it's his teammate, Yucca Pertle. And again, this seems to defy logic because you'll be like, well, Yucca Pertle's going to get traded, Josh. Why would I trade for him? He's going to go somewhere and he's going to be a backup and he's not going to do anything. And I, I will counter that by saying, yeah, but how how can it be worse, right? In a standard 12-team league, what is worse about what could happen to him when there is still upside for him to be better? And let's go through it. How is that possible? Jakob Pertl's 139th over the last two weeks, 121st in points leagues. He's averaging 25 fantasy points when he's at 31 for the season. All of those things are bad. He is the 77th category league ranked player for the season. And they're doing that in under 26 minutes a night. It's not like he was playing 30 minutes a night. It's frustrating. He should be playing 30 minutes a night. He played 29 minutes a night last season. In fact, he played 29 minutes a night last season and was 75th. So we talk about all the the, the drop-off from his game. He's like the 77th ranked player this season by playing three fewer minutes and blocking fewer shots. So he's actually been okay. I think a large part of that is the fact that he's not the worst in the world free throw shooter. So overall... Yeah, we take that free throw negative impact out. He is worse than last season. So that's that's important to note. But what is happening to him at the moment, he's just getting dicked with minutes. 23 minutes a game over the last two weeks. And then he's at 26 for the season. And the reason I, I say that he's a buy low now is if he does get traded to the Celtics, if he does get traded to, say, the Warriors, um, and he is like a backup, is he going to play fewer than 23 minutes? Is it actually going to be significantly worse than this? 
I don't think so. Like in Boston, there's the back-to-backs where you have Horford and Williams sitting. There's still room, like that those minutes that Cornette's getting or Grant Williams is getting. Like he can play, and maybe he only plays 17 minutes a night. I think he's really good. I don't think he plays 17, but if he didn't play 17, you can drop him. All right, we get that. But what if he goes to Toronto and plays 30 minutes a night? That's a top 50 player, I reckon. There are a lot of situations. he. What if he goes to the Thunder and plays 30 minutes a night? He's not a usage player. He just needs minutes. And you tie all this in with minutes, a lot of other stuff's down as well. He's a 62% two-point shooter. He's shooting 55%. Nothing's going in. That's, that's the easiest thing in the world for him to fix. He's historically a 60-plus percent guy. He just can't hit shots. So that'll go up. Rebounds? Down from nine to seven. And while you look at that and go, that's because of the minutes, it's not. He's averaging 12.5 rebounds per 36 for the season, 10.9 over the last seven. So it's a per minute drop as well. So even if he stays at the same minutes on a new team, the field goal percentage and rebounds can both come back up, pushes him back to around the 100 mark, and you're sweet anyway. And honestly, I base a lot of this stuff on numbers and trends and the way that people talk to me about players. Like, man, I'm going to drop him. Well, why would I bother? He's, he's going to get traded. I'm going to drop him. So if someone's got the idea, hey, I'm going to drop Yaka Pertle, that's when you go, can you just, like, I'll, I'll give you nothing here. And this, you want TJ McConnell? Have him. All right, I'll take Yaka Pertle. I'll get him at a cheap price. There is, maybe it's a 20% chance of him being top 60 rest of season, but we're already finding a top 60 guy off the waiver wire. You're not. So you take the flyer on a situation where he goes and becomes a 28 to 30 minute a night starter. And if it doesn't work out, yeah, it's, it's not great, but, it's not going to kill you, I don't think. The last buy low. No, the second last buy low, we go to Washington and we look at Bradley Beal, who has returned from multiple hamstring injuries and is just sort of chugging along. 110th in category leagues over the last two weeks, 80th in points leagues. He's played six games over that period and he's played under 30 minutes a night. So there's your number one thing. He's at 33 for the season. He's at 30 over the last two weeks. This is a guy that in the past would just rack up minutes. 36, 36, 36 the last three years and he is significantly down this year. That's a little bit of a worry, but there's nothing to suggest that maybe like over the February, March period, he's, he plays 36 a night. That, that's, I don't think so, but it's possible. He's done it every year. Fantasy points is 80th over the last two weeks, 31 fantasy points versus almost 36 for the season. So some pretty clear indicators that that can get better. So what is actually happening here with Bielo? Well, he's shooting 57% for two for the season. And while that is high, he's been at over 50% each of the last three seasons, yet over the last six games, he's at 45%. So you, you just bank in at least five to six percentage point rise there. Really easy. That's an easy jump. He's also playing, as I said, under 30 minutes. So there's at least four extra minutes a game he's going to get. And... While he's not a high steals player, although three years ago he was at 1.3, he hasn't had a single steal since he returned. Not one. Not a single steal. That's you know, that's a level of ineptitude that's not real to continue. He will get more than zero steals. And when you get... You know, 0.8 not a good number, but there's no reason to suggest he can't run at one steal a game rest of the way. And that's a big up from zero. So while yeah, 110th is, is terrible, obviously... People are down on Beal. I don't think you need to give up a top 40 player to get him. I'm not even sure you have to give up a top 55 player to get him. And if you do, then you don't get him. Simple as that. If someone is so down and dejected about what Beal is doing and worried about their hamstrings, rightfully so, and you can get him for a top 75, 80 player, I do it immediately. It's they're very obvious indicators of things getting better. The hard one here is minutes because people do look at it and go, well, he's going to play more minutes. So that makes it a little bit harder to swindle people. 
But the zero steals, the two-point percentage is disastrous, and it is going to come up. So find the person. Find the guy that's, that has him and is struggling, that's been annoyed by the multiple hamstring injuries, like four of them this season. Find that guy. Trade him for a top 80 guy. And if you can't get him, don't get him. That's simple. Look, if you can't get it at a cheap price, you don't get him. That is one of the key things you need to remember. If you can't, don't. And the last one we look at in terms of bylows, we go to Toronto. The big fella, Pascal Siakam, who has been really strong this season and is not as strong at the moment. 86th over the last two weeks, 38th in points leagues. He's averaging under 40 fantasy points versus 45 that he's averaging for the season. So a big discrepancy there. So what's happened? Is it because he's playing a lot of minutes? Well, I wouldn't be one to say that maybe Nick Nurse runs his players into the ground. Who would I be to say that? No way. I'll leave that to the experts. He's playing 39 minutes a game over the last two weeks. Is it 38 for the season? Are these numbers insane? Absolutely, of course they are. But what has also happened in this time? And can it be attributed to exhaustion? Probably, but we don't know that. We do. He's just not shooting. I wouldn't say anyone here looks at Pascal Siakam and goes, man, what a bomber. What an elite shooter. He was at 34% from three last season. He's at 31 this season, but he's at 27% over the last two weeks. In fact, he's at 28% over the last month. That's 16 games. That's going to drag your numbers down. Now, again, he's not a 37% shooter. He might not even be a 35% shooter. He might be a 33% shooter, but that's still 7% difference or even 5% difference to get back up to season average. And that's the that's it. That's one of your big things here. He's also seen a drop in usage, which is interesting. I don't know whether that sticks. He's at 28 for the season. He's down to 26 and a half. I highlight this because last year he was at 25.9. So maybe that 28 usage isn't going to stick. I've got him at about 27 usage rest of season. But yeah, that is still an, incre- or still an increase from the 26 and a half that he's currently going at. And the other thing is, while he's not, we think of him as a great defender, he isn't. Right, we've got to get that out of our head. He is not and has not been for a very long time a big defensive stat player, especially with blocks. We think that he can do that. And I'm not looking at that. But what I am looking at is where are the steals? He's averaging 0.3 steals over his last 16 games. 0.3. Last season, he averaged 1.3 per game. That is, that's it. Right, that's And look, he's only at 0.7 per game this season, which as you know that we talk about, steals are the most unpredictable and variable category in fantasy. Year to year, they're all over the shop. Look at Siakam. One steal, this is his last four years. One steal, 1.1 steals, 1.3 steals, 0.7. Like what? Why is it cut in half? The minutes are the same. Why is his steal rate cut in half? And now it's gotten worse. But that's not to say that over the next two months, he can't go and average one and a half steals per game because he's getting enough minutes. He's out there on the court enough and that will jump him back to be a top 20 player over that stretch. So there's plenty of opportunity here. Again, the Siakam stuff, it's actually persisted for a month where he's been outside the top 75. So I think that he's top 50 rest of season. I could easily make an argument for him to be top 40 rest of season, even make an argument for him, him to be top 30 rest of season. But I'm not giving up a top 50 player to get him if someone is frustrated and worried about a blow-up or a shutdown or a tank or whatever in Toronto, you try and get him for a top 70 guy. You try and get him for a top 65 player. And if you can't get him, you don't get him. Might get a t-shirt made that says that. Today's episode is brought to you by the big fellas at Bilt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to try a Bilt Bar. You go through the holidays, you're through January, and you're going, well, you know, I love what I've done with my body. I'm svelte, I'm trim, I'm taut, I'm terrific, and I need to keep it that way. But I love treats. I love chocolate bars. 
but they're so full of fat and sugar. But ah, I've got the answer. It's Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that's jam-packed full of protein, but it's very low in calories. 130 calories in a bar. That sounds ridiculous. Low sugar, low fat, but high in protein. You can use it as a protein, protein treat. You can use it as a protein supplement when you've hit the gym or you've got off the bike or whatever you've done to help build up those muscles. And you can do it knowing that you're doing it in a healthy way. The taste is great. It's covered in 100% um, real chocolate as well. And now you don't even have to order them from built.com. You still can, but you can just waltz straight into a Walmart, go down to the pharmacy section, tell old mate at the counter, mate, Bilt Bars, let's go. Where are they? I've got a truck out the back and we just go through the service entrance. And he goes, no worries, mate, because I've got four bar boxes here in these gray flavors, cookies and cream, double chocolate and coconut puffs. I said, look, Fill that up, but also leave a bit of room because I'm going to pull past Sam's Club after that because I've been told that they have 13-bar boxes with churro flavor and brownie batter. And he says, mate, you're spot on. I'll fill it half up. Go to Sam's Club. Johnny over there will sort you out as well. So head to Walmart, get your Built Bars. Head to Sam's Club, get your Built Bars. Head to Built.com, get your Built Bars because Built Bar is built different. Let's go to the sell highs. Um, Yeah. Talked about this on the recap show yesterday. I'm a little bit worried with LeBron and his ankle and his foot that he sprained a million times this season that once he hits the scoring record, if the Lakers are still struggling, there is going to be a lot of time off. And I detailed this on the playoff schedule show earlier today as well, that the Lakers have an abundance of back-to-backs throughout the end of the season. And that's going to be bad for LeBron. He's also, with Anthony Davis out, just done everything. He's just put everything up. Seventh-ranked player over the last two weeks. Fourth in points leagues, averaging 58 fantasy points versus the 53 for the season. So not only has he just stepped up with usage, 34 usage. This is a bloke that we thought this season he's going to take a step back in usage. How could he have done more than what he did when he was at 31.7 last season? Well, he's gone, screw you guys. He's at 33 for the season, 34 over the last two weeks, 35 usage over the last month. At some point, he's going to have to fall back. Also, we know LeBron can struggle from the free throw line. He's at 83% over the last six games. That's not only just like avoiding a negative. That's a distinct positive. It's a huge positive. That's amazing. And he's hitting 40% of his threes. So when you talk LeBron James, you don't go, you know what I want for LeBron? I want elite 40% three-point shooting with great free throws. That's not what he brings, but he is. And is it hard to doubt LeBron? Always. But I also have 20 years of this bloke's career knowing that he's not a 40% three-point shooter or an 86% free throw shooter versus a one-month sample of him doing it. And I wouldn't put it past LeBron to become a player like that, but I also know I've seen it for 20 years and he's not going to do this continually. He's also averaging 33 points per game. But now Anthony Davis is back. And we've only seen Davis back for like two games, so your sell-high window for LeBron is right now. And of course, there's a name brand value. We know this. People love LeBron. If you could get a first-round player for LeBron, even like a top 15 player, I think I would do it. Now, I have him projected for some pretty big numbers rest of season, like to be the 13th or 14th best player on a per-game basis. But I do think that on a totals basis, he's probably not a second rounder because I do think there's going to be quite a bit of time off for him. So that's why if I can get a top 15 player back in a trade for him, selling high on him, but also understanding I might take a short per-game per hit, I would do it because I'm very worried about what happens for him moving forward. Also, with the expectation of a drop in free throws, a drop in three-point percentage, a drop in usage, a drop in scoring. And maybe even a drop in minutes because the bloke's playing 37 minutes a night over the last month. And that is probably not going to sustain at that level. His old man teammate, not teammate, old man um, age mate, Chris Paul, is also on fire. Paul is the eighth ranked player over the last two weeks. 
15th in points leagues. He's averaging 48 fantasy points versus 36 for the season. Gigantic discrepancy. So what's happening here with Paul? Well, he's come back from his hip injury. He's playing 36 minutes a night. So there's your number one red flag. 36 minutes for Chris Paul. When Devin Booker comes back, he will not stick at 36 minutes. I'm really confident in saying this. He will not stick at 36. He's also averaging 21.6 points per game. When's the last time Chris Paul averaged 20 points per game? I don't even know. Do they even have calendars that go back that far? It is just not a realistic scenario. So how is he doing it? Is it because of usage? Well, a little bit. 21 usage versus 19, that's a Booker thing. All right, 10.4 assists he's averaging. Maybe he can stick at 10.4. I'm not going to rule that one out at all. Like he could do that. Is it because of excess steals? Not really. His steal numbers are actually down. He, what the reason is, he hasn't missed a single free throw in the last eight games. Now, he is a very good free throw shooter. We know this. He shot 84% from the line last season. He's at 83 this season. But perfection is not a realistic expectation. So if you go from 100% down to 85% or 87%, you lose value and you lose scoring. That comes off. And then he's also shooting, since he came back, 49% from three. Now, Chris Paul's a 41% three-point shooter this season. I don't buy that at all. He shot 32 last season, 39 the year before that. So while we can look at this and go, even if he regresses back to his season number of 41, that's a five and a half percentage point drop. But what if he goes back to being who he's been for so much of his career as a 38, 39, 37% shooter? That's like a 10 percentage point drop. And that just kills everything. And then throw in, he's blocking one shot a game. He's had five blocks in his last five games. Now, Chris Paul has five blocks in his last five games. He has 12 blocks for the season. So he's got seven blocks in his other 26 games. So that is just a gigantic, massive outlier. First round player over the last two weeks. Second round player over, since he returned from injury. Anyone gives you a top 25 player for him, top 30 player, you do it. Will they do it? Probably not. Probably not. But it's worth inquiring. It's worth finding the people who love Chris Paul, the people who love the older players, the people who um, are not willing to buy in on, on rookies or younger players. It's, it's worth it. It's worth looking at the people who are reactive to rankings and numbers because he's flying. He's doing it for a month since he's returned. He's refreshed. Given the quote that Mikhail Bridges gave yesterday, I think it was saying, hey man, all we need is for Chris Paul to, to sit down. If Chris Paul rests, that's the best thing for him because that means that he's going to be flying and he's rested and he's flying and everyone goes, hey, it's all he needed. He just needed to rest. That's how he puts up these numbers. And that's where we are with him. If you want to go from one of the oldest players in the league to, I believe, the youngest player, he might not be the youngest. He might be the second youngest. It's Jalen Duran, who over the last two weeks is 22nd in category leagues and 57th in points leagues. And I would have loved to have done this show two days ago because my worry with him was them putting Isaiah Stewart to the bench as the backup center would take Duran from a 31, 32 minute a night player to a 27, 28 minute a night player. And that's happened, unfortunately. But... In saying all of that, over the last two weeks, he's ranked 22nd. He's averaging 34 fantasy points versus 23 for the season. And he's not doing that in 31 minutes. He's doing that in 25.6 minutes. So that's where you go, oh, okay. That gives us, if we just looked at ranking and minutes, we'd go, well, okay, well, why can't he? Why can't he be a top 50 player? Well, I'll tell you why. He's not an 82% shooter. Like, actually, nobody is. Could he be a 70% guy? Um, yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. He's shooting 71% over the last 23 games. He never takes shots away from the rim, but 82 is ridiculous. Right? He could be a 70% shooter. He's also hitting a really high level of free throws, 83% from the line over the last two weeks versus 62 for the season. But I, I have a degree of confidence 
in him. And I just realized that that three-point percentage is not real. That's the Chris Paul one. I don't know why I kept that in there on that graphic, so I apologize. Um, that was meant to be um, meant to be his block numbers, which I'll, I'll get up in a second. He His free throws, I think, can stay high. One thing that's also improved is blocks. 1.8 blocks for Duran over the last five games, 0.8 blocks for the season. I know that 0.8 blocks for him is very low, and I expect him to be better. But he's also seen a gigantic spike over the last five games, and I don't really think that one point, like averaging 1.8 blocks with 82% from the from the field, that is why he is a top 25 player. Two categories there where you look at it and go, mm, probably not. Probably not. Could he be a 1.2 blocks guy and 70% field goal player? Like I think really easily. But the impact of Stewart capping some of those minutes, the value of the blocks and field goal percentage coming down is important. And look at how that's impacted his points. He's averaging 8.4 points for the season over the last two weeks at 13.8 points. And that's in one extra minute. One. Was one minute equal five points? No. It's been an extra shot per game, but also the 20 percentage point increase in free throws and the 16 percentage point increase in field goals. Just gigantic numbers, which it's very hard to trust. We go on to another player up in Toronto, and that is Freddie Van Vliet, who has had some struggles this season, no doubt. But over the last two weeks, he's 12th. He's 18th in points. He's averaging 47 fantasy points versus 39 for the season. We drafted him probably back end second round, start of the third round, and he hasn't lived up to that. He's 36 for the season, but he is improving over the last two months. He's 27th, which is about bang on, I think. We worry about his health. We worry about his minutes. But one of the things that was really killing him is he could not hit a single shot. Like shots were dreadful. Couldn't hit anything. And what has happened over the last two weeks is now he can. It's simple as that. 54% from from two versus 46 for the season. He was at 44 last year, 42 the year before that, 43 the year before that. So while he has had a struggle season, he's actually a better two-point shooter this season than any other recent season. But 54% is very unlikely to stick. And he's paired that with 41% shooting from three when he's at 34 for the season. Now, he can be a 38 guy, no worries. But 38 versus 41 is a material difference. And that has meant that his scoring has jumped from 19 points per game up to 25 almost. And again, when we look at what Van Vliet has done in previous seasons, last season he did get to 20. B's dick over, 20.3 in 38 minutes. But 19.6, 17.6, he's not a big scorer. He's an 18 to 20 point per game guy. And that means that there's probably going to be some drop-off there, some drop-off in scoring, some drop-off in shooting numbers. He's also at 96 from the line. And while it can be a 90% guy, there is a difference between 96 and 90. And that drops that well down. So if you could sell him off and get a top 20 player back, I'd be very, very inclined to do it. Going with his knee injuries, his back injuries, and the likelihood of regression in some of those shooting numbers, yeah, I'd be interested in trading away. And then lastly, we go to another point guard. This one in Utah, another old man, Mick Conley who has been up and down this season. No doubt about that. 118th for the season in category leagues. That's not particularly good. But over the last two weeks, he's 44th. And he's 65th in points leagues. He's averaging 33 fantasy points versus 27 for the season. There's a couple of reasons why this is. He's playing one extra minute, but the scoring is about the same. The assists are very similar. He hasn't missed a free throw in the last five games. He hasn't taken many, but he hasn't missed any. So that brings that value up from where he was average at 80% to being strong. Yes, very low attempts. But people will also see those numbers and get excited by them. He's also hitting 44% from three. Now, he can be a 40% shooter. He hasn't been, but he can be. But 44 is too high. So there's four to five to six percentage point drops there. And 
This is a guy who used to be an excellent steals guy and has not been that player until the last two weeks. 1.6 steals per game. He's at 1.1 for the season. He was at 1.3 last year, 1.4 the year before that. It's just unrealistic to expect him to be a 1.6 steals guy as we move forward. And the reason he's at that level is he's had six steals in the last two games. And that look, for, this is his um, run of steals. 4, 2, 1, 1, 0, 0, 1, 0, 1, 0, 0, 3, 0, 1, 1. Right, so those numbers that are up are because he had four and two in back-to-back games, and it just skewed everything. So if I could get a top 70 or 80 player for Mike Conley, I would do it. Otherwise, you hold it and you ride it out. You probably can't get it, but I actually I'd probably try almost any top 100 player to get back in a deal for him, almost. And that... We'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.